Welcome to Actually Best Choice Movies, the world's only movie podcast. I am one of your hosts. My name is Chris Chapin. Greetings. Welcome to Best Choice Movies with the word actually in front of those other two words. I'm your host, Caleb Shively. I would kill you to just say something that was easy to understand. Uh, it, it would kill a part of me, a small, tiny percentile, like zero, 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 one. Well, you know, Caleb, when you leave, you take away a little part of me. Um, is that Ooh, that song that John no, Stamos' brother baby, song? Please don't go. He can't hit the high F. Ooh, no. Wait, that's not the same song. Yeah, it's a I'm different refer- song. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm so, referencing South Park. Uh, you're listening to Actually Best Choice Movies. It's uh, the world's only movie podcast where Caleb and I, every week, talk about two movies. One of them's new. One of them's old. They're united by one thing, and that one thing is quality theoretically. Theoretically, they're both good movies. It doesn't always work out that way. Mm-hmm. I think that Caleb might think it doesn't work out that way this week when we are talking about uh, this year's Ready or Not and uh, 1998, I think, 1997's The Game. Uh, that's all this week on Actually Best Choice Movies. But before we get to any of that, Caleb, what have you been watching this week, dog? Stuff and things. Wow. Uh, wow, both kinds. Yeah, well, uh, in theaters, which I'll just stick to these two things I saw in theaters, uh, Give Me Liberty. It is a movie that just came out. It is a very fun, uh, starts off kind of madcap and then narrows its focus movie. But uh, yeah, it's a, a kind of indie darling. It's a Russian guy making a movie in America. It's about a, uh, you know those like vans that you see drive around and they're like are labeled ambulances? Yeah, those um, so we it's have like a kind a, of them in New York. I forget what they're called. Yeah, so it's about a guy who accessoride, drives accessoride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he drives like old people around and like uh, obese people around and uh, people in wheelchairs around. And like the first uh, hour of the movie, just like, oh, this is a very hard job and things are going to shit right now. Uh, and it's very wonderfully done. Uh, the director's name is Kirill Mikhanovsky who I didn't really know before. Uh, so good on him. Uh, this movie's at BAM. I think it's playing at IFC too. So it has like theater cred as theater cred i feel like it's gone away from theaters a little quicker than i would have liked we were maybe going to do it this week on the show but honestly that was one of the problems like why we was out of bam it was uh, gone from all the theaters except for one and it was somewhere i didn't want to go i don't remember where yeah yeah screw them but uh but it did look good i thought it looked really good a very good movie i'd recommend kind of uplifting it looked like like if the Safi brothers made a movie that was uplifting uh sure uh (laughs) there is uh it touches uh real world riots and stuff uh so not super uplifting but yeah there is like a very like sweetness to it i guess I'm, and again because I, I didn't see it this is just based on the trailer uh, it is shot by a cinematographer who i uh glad is getting still work his name is wyatt garfield uh he did this movie called gabriel it starred kieran culkin it was maybe like 2015 uh, i thought that was a fantastic movie I can't believe Kieran Culkin's not the leading Culkin right now. I think uh, he R- is the leading. Rory is Rory's the one on Succession. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kieran is done fine for himself. So wait, your Culkin power rankings right now are uh, Rory, Kieran, Kieran and Macaulay. Then Macaulay, yeah. yeah. Just a note here that we did, as in Caleb did, get his Culkins confused. Uh, Rory 
is the one in Gabriel, and Kieran is the one currently killing it on Succession. I mean, Macaulay, I think in a way he's like number one most powerful because sure. he he's the doesn't name give a shit. He's like retired. Yeah. I mean, what is he? He's like 35. He had a good tweet the other week, to too. Work. He went uh, viral for a tweet because they had that Home Alone reboot. And he said this is what it would look like. And he just had a picture of himself eating cereal in his underwear. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, it's yeah. solid. Um, also, he did Pizza Underground, which is like really cool. Oh, sure. I feel like that brought him into contact with people we know personally. But yeah, I didn't see it look good. I, uh, yeah, it looked fine. Uh, I also saw the... Director's cut of Midsummer. It's sort of a crazy festival. Uh, the Airy Oster cut. Oh, did you? Yeah, uh, I saw that very early. Like, oh, I had like a free night. Like, oh, let's go check this shit out. Uh, and it is like a close to four hours. Uh, and he just deepens characters. I think there's one it's close extra. To four, it's close to four hours. Sure, man. I think I like the um, original edit better just because uh, it cramps the space a little bit. You get the you get the scare a little bit more. It's a little bit more of a through line. Uh, he did have all the say in editing. He was very fine with the prime product. Like the only thing uh, that this added was just like a little bit more character beats, which is mm. fine. Uh, there was more uh, jokes from the uh, Mark character, and uh, they do is explain he the horny one. Yeah, the horny one. Oh my god, I think I got the plenty Will of Poulter, jokes from the him, Will like the character. first time. Yeah, he has more jokes. Uh, they do flesh out Josh a little bit more, which is interesting. But yeah, <laughs> I didn't think it was mind-blowingly whoa director's cut cool but like it's still cool enough so i mean you and i we grew up in an era like where the director's cut was like the ultimate thing and uh, producers messing with uh, the final version of your film or tv show is like the worst thing like you hate it like even going back to tiny tunes you know michael overton talks with 20th fox means you want another 93 mil if you want the poop or you need the scoop on hollywood town this week and I have this theory, a pet theory of mine, that like actually those people are good. <laughs> actually, it's good to have those people doing stuff. Because oh, I everyone think, needs an editor. Yeah. I feel like we have maybe talked about this on the show. I don't remember, but like I think you see this in the current era of Netflix straight to order auteur shows where there's like so much fat in them and you really wish there had been someone just saying like, Hey, can we maybe like tighten this up a little bit? And like, does this really need to happen? And is this going anywhere? Mm -hmm. um, I feel like we were raised to think someone who was making those asking those questions who wasn't like the writer or director was like, fuck you, get out of here. But having lived in a world now where that exists everywhere, I'm like, eh, maybe those people weren't that bad, <laughs> you know, like, um, as for me this week, uh, I didn't really watch anything. I don't know. I've been doing a lot of traveling. I'm getting ready to have a child. Chris dropping news on the Drop podcast. News on the podcast. I know it's not a secret. We're going to have a child. And so that's very time consuming. Uh, I would say the movie that I have been watching, quote unquote, is Mindhunter. I've been obsessively watching Mindhunter oh, from know. David Fincher, oh, who David we'll be Fincher. talking about on the show today. I'm actually want to talk about. Did he direct plays. episodes of that? Yeah, he directs episodes of it. Yeah, it was his idea. I think I he have directs to watch that like, now almost all of them i have not gotten into it yeah mindhunter it's a fantastic show everybody's all the actors are really good everybody's really into the big uh old school cop guy this season everybody he has like a really intense home life season where he, lots of things are happening with his wife and his oh. child and everybody thinks he's sexy and hot now uh yeah i'll talk about it more when we talk about uh the game it's all about the game and i am playing 
because I don't know. I don't actually know what the fuck I'm talking about right now. It's just <laughs> enjoyable. It's just enjoyable. I'm sucked up in it. Catherine and I watch it all the time. It's one of the only shows where we will watch two episodes in a row. We never, ever do that. But we're always like, yeah, fuck it. Let's do another one. Oh, sure. I, love, uh, I go through that. That's how you uh, power through in this day and age. But I mean, literally, literally, we never, ever do that. But um, it's just something about Mindhunter. It's very atmospheric. It's very um, tense. But it's not like there's a lot. It's not like there's a... I mean, this season there is actually a mystery they're working on solving. Um, but usually it's just kind of like the, it's, it's just something about the relationships between the characters and the mood that the show creates. It's, it's just completely enveloping and it makes you want to just continue to experience it over and over again. Anyway, so that's it for all this bullshit. Um, <laughs> the first movie we're going to talk about this week is Ready or Not. There's just one more thing. And then you are officially part of the family. So, at midnight, you have to play a game. Why? It's just something we do when someone new joins the family. A game. What game? Hide and seek? Are we really gonna play that? What? I know you're in here. Oh, Jesus, you shot the maid. Ready or Not is an independent Canadian horror comedy from the team that brought you the anthology uh, horror thing, VHS. Whereas that movie looked so scary that I never saw it, and to this day have not seen it. Um, this one has a trailer that makes it look uh, light, fun, and bloody with a bunch of rich people haplessly trying to commit ritualistic murder. Uh, it's basically like Clue meets the most dangerous game. It's light, it's dumb, it's charming. It's, you know, why it's the end of August as we sit here recording this very beginning of September nothing good has come out for weeks and weeks like the regular midsummer is still playing in movie theaters and we did that on this show like months ago like jack shit is in the movie theater uh, and given that I think it's a perfectly good thing to see um, that when the credits rolled there were two guys sitting behind me and one of them turned to the other one and went well that was fun and I think that's basically like the sum total of my reaction to this movie is like turning to you, Caleb, and saying, well, it was fun. Uh, what did you think about it? Uh, not my tempo. Yeah, there's things I could say I like this movie. And I will say those nice things later on. But for the most part, I like my violence to follow through. Like there's too many like cutaways from impact or just not showing uh, enough of the violence. So, like, as a movie that marketed itself as, like, hey, we're going to do some really cool violent stuff, it really didn't. I mean, they Pointed do show, it's... like, somebody's, like, like Adam Brody is holding a severed head by the arrow that has gone through the mouth yeah, of the so severed all those... head and, like, gesturing around yeah, with it while he's it talking. It wasn't that impactful because uh, <laughs> when they do it, like, they build up to it. The score did this movie no favors. Uh, the score, like, would lead you up to, like, okay, and... He, we're talking about it, and we'll show you as we talk about it. Instead of just actually like doing a fun jump scare or uh, anything fun, they would just be <laughs> oh like, and we're building up to the thing where it's scary. Like, uh, there's a scene where she, she has a hole in her hand and has to, uh, she's falling down, so she puts her hand hole in a nail. It's one of those things like, oh, I can see this coming. Everybody can see it coming a mile away. Yeah, right? uh, yeah. Uh, like, oh, just do it already. Let's see but, how. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they don't really even show full impact on it. It's oh disappointing. So your main complaint is that this movie was not gross enough. This movie where a no, woman has a hole complaint. shot in her hand and you, she, we oh, see yeah, that, that is there's a, a hole in her hand and it looks, it's not like a, it's not like a joke where you see the hole in her hand and it's like comic. Like she sees like, you know, a flamingo walk in the room through the hole in her hand. It's just like, she's going, ah, 
ah, and she's got a big hole in her yeah, hand. Yeah, they could have made that more gross. It's more fun for me. Uh, and that's not my main complaint. It's more fun the movie. for it's more fun I would for say you if it's grosser. My, yeah, 100%. Uh, yeah, I disagree. I disagree. Uh, again, not my tempo. Uh, my main complaint about this movie is that it kind of points itself towards as like, oh, we're going to take down uh, rich people a little bit. Like, it's about killing rich people. Kind of. Not really. Uh, it's about rich people killing someone and they die. Uh, but there are lines in this movie where uh, subtle like a jackhammer. Um, I mean, it is very, I will say it's very broad. It is like, I mean, what's saying it's like Clue. I mean, it's very, it's extremely broad. I mean, I know Clue is very sharp in its own way, but it's also like, you know, people are tripping and, you know, people's underwear come out. I don't know. You see, like the Mantis, we always get our man. Mrs. Peacock was a man? <coughs> Would anyone care for fruit or dessert? These are the kinds of things that happen in farces. Uh, yeah, this, if this tried to be a violent farce, kind of succeeded i guess but like there is uh she escapes but the uh, car doesn't pick her up so she just says fucking rich people like okay that's not really yeah i mean that was not not one of the best lines in the movie i agree yeah i think there was another line they're like uh the rich are different i'm like come on there's also like when we first meet her she's talking into a mirror uh by herself and then just dumping exposition like oh and your alcoholic brother i'm like that's not good writing. <laughs> so my main complaint about this movie is the writing of the movie, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I do see, I do see what you mean. Um, it is not like the world's best written thing. Uh, I will say what it does a good job of. So there's two ways to look at this. Okay, I, I honestly expected the movie to be either funnier or grosser, and it isn't either of those things. It kind of just like sits in the middle, where it's kind of scary, kind of funny, and kind of gross, but never too much of any of those one things. I've read interviews with the directors where they say like that's something they like about it as a script and they really haven't changed it a lot from development to production is that they like that it completely exists in between all of those things. And I will say it does do that very effectively. And um, if you're looking for it to be like super laugh out loud funny, it's not that except in like one or two spots. And if you're looking for it to be really scary, it's not. And if you're looking for it to be really gross, it's not. But it kind of is just like a little of all of that, which is why I would say pulls you late summer. Nothing is out in the movie theaters. Or if you see this movie on like HBO, you know, if it's like playing on HBO or if Mm -hmm. you're on an airplane, like I would recommend it highly because it's just fun it's just a fun light movie that goes by without like imposing itself on you very much it's short it's like a what an hour and a half yeah it's short that's good <laughs> yeah it's i just mean like it's 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 like we were talking about about um once upon a time in hollywood last time where it's like a movie that exists to entertain you and it's a movie that exists to entertain you and it has no ambitions beyond that and I think in a way that's good. I mean, we were sitting here talking out of our asses for an hour about how fantastic that era of Hollywood was. I mean, this is one of those movies. It, it you know, is. It's an era like you're saying. It's. I guess it is. I'm like, saying it's like it's like <laughs> on the level of the Wrecking Crew. Which, by the way, do you, uh, a friend of mine uh, on the internet listened to that episode and uh, came back to say to me, like, actually, the Wrecking Crew is a good movie. Which I have not seen it. It looked bad in the movie, but. It's somebody whose opinion I trust, so like if they say it, fine. I haven't seen know. The Wrecking Crew. Uh, I wouldn't compare. I would, the movie I would compare this to is, uh, I think I've told you, uh, like Kick-Ass or um, The Kingsman, where it's like... I mean, the hey, Kings, I think The Kingsman is a great movie. Kingsman has... Do, uh, do you not like Kingsman? Uh, like Kingsman the mo- 1, the movie Kingsman 2 and 3 are like not very good. Uh, it has uh, a cool, some really cool action set pieces in that movie, but it markets itself as a cool, violent movie. 
but like the genre of it kind of weighs it down and also the characters in the movie kind of weigh kicks with them uh, and kingsman you think yeah, i mean kingsman uh, is just a movie that has good action sequences the thing yeah about the kingsman action sequences is, are good it's like it's like a spy movie where the violence is gone beyond what you would normally yeah. see and i would like say this James is like a uh like a farcical uh not haunted house but like a hoity-toity house of murderers gone too far. Just to back up a little bit, I should have said this in my intro, the idea of the movie Ready or Not is a woman is marrying into a very rich family who've made their money producing board games, and after the wedding she finds out um, there's a tradition where you have to play a game at midnight. The game she picks is hide-and-seek, and and it turns out this is the only game hide and seek to the death yeah the only game if you pull that card that you it's a murder game yeah and it has to do with like they think their grandfather sold his soul to the devil in exchange for getting this you know rich gaming empire and so this is like they're placating the devil every time you've seen the preview for this you know the exact plot and i think that uh, again uh, my uh apple box of hating uh, previews uh you kind of need the preview to get in this. You kind of do, yeah. Uh, and also, they should know that going into it because, like, they kind of hide it a little bit, like they're going to kill him. But, like, everyone in the theater knows that, like, oh, wait, we know you're going to kill yeah. them. Yeah, right. So that kind of the preview works against this movie hard a little bit. You're just, like, waiting <laughs> for it. Come on. and against it because it basically gives yes. you the whole setup of the movie. And mm-hmm. so you're, like, it makes everything work. You're, like, before the killing stuff starts, you're, like, oh, man, they're going to start killing each other soon. They're acting like they like each other. But really, they're going to kill her soon. Uh, I'll say a little bit more criticism before I, I'll lead that into the compliments I do have for this movie because there's some things, some good stuff about this movie. Um, so a lot of the uh, plot, therefore writing depends on the, uh, the Lodomas, the family, the Lodomas family being incompetent. Uh, and there's just too much to decipher. Uh, and only the uh, Adam Brody's in this movie, Seth Cohen, I believe is his character that I only know of. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's the only. I yeah, mean, I, he's really good in Jennifer's Body. I mean, you know. I really like the movie The Ten that he plays, some named Stephen Montgomery. He's actually had a really good career. Catherine and I were talking about it last night because for, he disappeared for a little while after the OC, and you might have thought like his career wasn't going that well. But you look back on it, and he's done a lot of things that are really good. To get back, I'll just track. Uh, yeah, Adam Brody was like the only family member who I had to be by design that felt more uh, real and fleshed out because I guess he was the only one who. Cared not to kill in this movie. Uh, they wish they would have developed characters explained a little bit more. Especially, uh, they have a good character, to, uh, just the look of the character of the weird aunt, who they oh, show yeah. like menacing looking great, in yeah. the background. They actually did an interview with her on Vulture about her like face choice. Yeah, <laughs> you know? she looked really cool, but again, it was just a string of one notes from that character. Where she's just going, we must kill the yeah. girl. Uh, and yeah. They did. I think the only thing they gave her to do was like uh, that last time they played this was when they killed her husband. Uh, right. And that I guess she didn't really get to. She's wearing like deep a, into that. Everybody else is wearing black, like tuxedos or gowns or gold gowns. She's wearing like this kind of insane purple cape, and she's got white hair that's sticking straight up, and she's making yeah the mm-hmm. world's craziest faces the uh, entire movie. There's like what six, seven family members. There's way it's too many family. family. Yeah, yeah it's too big, many family. And they're members. all married, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And they don't yeah get enough screen time, uh, which is fine with me because the strength of this movie is the lead actress. Her name is Samara Weaving. Yeah, Hugo uh, Weaving's niece. Oh, yeah. really? I did yes, not know she that. Is. Uh, yeah, she, uh, yeah, they lit the movie very well, uh, and 
she and I mean, she's pops beautiful. on every she's scene. Beautiful. Yeah, she's really she has beautiful. big she's eyes, extremely charming. big blue eyes, and it, like the cut scenes, uh, like everyone is kind of lit in shadows, and except for her, it's and she's very compelling. She uh, delivers these one note jokes that are stupid, but I was like, oh, that's charming enough. Yeah, apparently she, um, you know, so she's very young. She's not even thirty years old. I think she was born in ninety two. Um, so she. She's Australian. She got her acting career started in Australia. She was on this very popular soap opera there called Home and Away, which is it's on every single night of the week. Um, maybe not Saturdays and Sundays. I have actually, yeah. And watch the show? No, but I this is from Catherine. Catherine, oh. <laughs> my wife is from oh, New sure. Zealand, so she knows a lot about Australian culture. Um, and so she was on that show for two years, but that means she was on three hundred episodes of the show because um, they do it every fucking night. Um, so she has a lot of experience ringing the absolute best out good of terrible her. dialogue. Yeah, you know what uh, I mean? I always say, uh, good acting makes movies tolerable. And she, uh, made me able to sit through this movie. So big up Samira Weaving. Uh, a show I like is called Ash versus Evil Dead. Oh yeah. Uh, she had like a two or three episode. Well, one on of that. the writers of this movie worked on that, on that show, wrote like several episodes of that show. I did have problems with that show, but I just like, uh, Ash so much that I didn't care. Oh, it was either Ash versus Evil Dead or what's the other one that's like Dan versus Evil? Oh, uh, Stan versus Evil. I think maybe it was that show is the one he worked on. With uh, John C. Evil. McGinley. Yeah, that was a Netflix original? IFC. Or? IFC, okay. Speaking of how well lit it was, I thought I was like, oh, this is a well, looks kind of gorgeous, uh, uh, well-designed movie. So I looked up this uh, cinematographer and it was uh, Brett uh, Jukowitz, who's great. Uh, I, I haven't heard from him in so long. He used to work, do the old Safdie Brothers movies, which I love. He did, oh, really? um, he did uh, The Pleasure of Being Robbed and uh, Daddy Long Legs, two amazing movies. All Every Safdie Brothers movie is amazing. They're the best. Uh, he also did uh, Men Go to Battle, which is a very weird, silly movie, uh, very specific of its, I think it was set in 1826, Kentucky, but it's like... Nice. Two, uh, two brothers fighting over land. It's a really weird, fun movie. So uh, good for him getting a, a, a definitely a bigger budget with yeah, uh, right. Ready or Not. Although, yeah, so speaking of budget, not to interrupt, but uh, it was only it only cost $6 million. Uh, it's been out for two or three weeks wow, as we sit here recording. It's made $33 million, I think. So it's it's a success. It's a it's a big success uh, as of right now. Yeah, good for good for them. <laughs> uh, I do so. I'm a, also do so. I also am yeah, right. uh, a big fan of Andy McDowell's recent output. Yeah, she's great. Uh, but I didn't really like her in this movie, which is... Uh, they also I'm, did an interview with her on Vulture around this movie, where they did this thing where they made her sing the song from Michael, the pie song. Ba, ba, me, oh Nothing takes sweet, wet, salty, and dry. All it wants so well as pie. Apple. I never was really into Michael the movie. I think I watched Are you familiar Michael. With this? Yeah, I don't. I, I watched Michael when I was like, I don't know, ten when it came out. And yeah, I was like, oh, this is a bad movie. And yeah, it was this whole thing. I mean, speaking of, we were talking the other we were talking the other week about John Travolta's career being in the absolute toilet before uh, Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. And this was either something he had done right before, or right maybe after. even he did something right after. It was slightly after, <laughs> it was right where he after. was like getting roles again. Yeah, it was after like Primary Colors too, which is a good movie of that era he did. Yeah, but um, it's just this thing where I guess she sings a song about pie, and they the whole interview is about this, and they got her to sing it, and even though they didn't really ask her to, but she was being very kind. Oh, uh, yeah, her role in this movie is uh, she's trying to be the mother to try and get her son back in, and she's kind of 
playing sympathetic, but also with ulterior motives. And I think she should have been a little bit more unhinged about it. There's tinges of being like, oh, this woman's crazy, but I wish it was more like over-the-top crazy. But I guess they wanted more of a subtle take on it. Uh, And if you do want to see some great subtle Andy McDowell movie, uh, I would highly recommend the movie Love After Love. It came out uh, last year. Sex uh, lies in videotape. I mean, you know. Oh, love after love is so good. Well, this is a recent Andy McDowell oh, movie. Okay, okay. Uh, she's uh, the mother. It's a more talky, nuanced movie where uh, she plays a newly widowed uh, woman, and uh, she's dealing with uh, two very selfish kids. Uh, I'm just, I'm just want to say it's astounding how much newly widowed sounds like newly wed. I think there's something in this, Caleb. Like, I think this is a fertile oh, sure. area to explore. Uh, the kids are uh, Chris McDowell, who. Uh, He's Australian, but he's... No, he's British, I think. Oh, oh Br- no, oh, no. I'm sorry. I was thinking yeah. of Chris O'Dowd. Yeah, Chris, uh, Chris O'Dowd. Yeah, yeah he's, he's Irish. Irish. Okay, he's Irish. He's Irish in this movie. Shit. Yeah. He's very good in this movie. He's uh, the most asshole I've ever seen him been. Him been. And uh, the great James Adomian it plays the other brother. Oh, really? Yeah. That's interesting. Very, very good movie. I feel movie. like James Adomian does not get many parts. I know. He's great in this movie. He plays uh, the more younger brother who's... Uh, He's also a stand-up, but he's also like kind of staying at home and the sweeter of the two. It's a very good movie. It's on Hulu. Love After Love. That's interesting. You got other positive things to say about this movie? It's a movie. It was a good respite. Caleb shaking his head like, why did I say the word respite? Like, that was not the right word to say at all. I was going to say respite from... Uh, life being outdoors being I, outdoors, I, got, to, I yeah. got to sit in a cool room for an hour and a half look i think it's a perfect airplane movie i think it's a perfect like it's on hbo tonight movie even if you are at home and See, you I choose don't... to pick to watch it like Ooh. it's 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 just it, it's the kind of movie that Catherine and i like to watch because it's like fun it's not too anything it's just like there's... it's just like a thing to watch yeah you know? it and is a, thing to, a watch. thing to there's watch there's way other movies out there too there's too many movies out there so i would never you never really recommend this movie. Recommend this to I think, but I think part of enjoying cinema is like enjoying, you know, the spectacle and the like, the um, entertainment. You know, we were all children. You know, we all are, love movies because of the feeling you get when you see, like, you know, the the magic of it. You know, yeah, I have movies cinema I like paradiso. For that. You know, that kind of stuff. Sure. And I, of course, this is not like a big, beautiful spectacle. It's not like the Avengers or something. But um, I, you know, it's 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 a film that exists to entertain you, and I think that that it does that. You know, it's just like a it's a B movie. Like we, for a long time, they were not making B movies, and that, that's something people, smart people write articles about. That is like, why don't they make more B movies? That sucks. And it's 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 a very successful, I think, on as that a, level. You know, I should say it's successful in that it's an indie movie that played well and people saw it. Oh my so. god! It like premiered at a film festival in July and was had international distribution in august like it was yeah, like fox, very uh, quick fox searchlight did this and uh, spe- uh rest in peace fox searchlight do we know what's going on with fox oh searchlight God. like disney's fucking killing it it's yeah. killing everything yeah, yeah. No, i it, this is an r-rated movie i don't I mean, know look if at disney's this, gonna this, let this them make r-rated is, movies anymore fox searchlight's great they've it's always done like good work four times its budget yeah. so like why is that not good like they should i mean i don't know what they acquired it for i don't probably more than six million dollars but yeah um, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah. Um, it seems like a win. So, like, why would you not want a studio that can produce wins like this? You know? Because you're an evil corporation. Yeah. Anyway, so that's the deal with Ready or Not. Oh, actually, I do want to say one other thing about Ready or Not. Say it. Which is, by the grace of God, this movie avoided a Dante's Peak volcano situation. Oh, sure. Because there was another movie about hunting people that was supposed to come out at exactly the same time. 
Um, I forget the name of that movie. The uh, Hunt. The Hunt, yeah. yeah. And it was, uh, they pulled the release, like, in this insane thing that never happens. But, yeah, it's very weird. It was it was one of these very odd situations you get sometimes, one of these Armageddon Deep Impact situations, where there were two almost identical horror comedies about hunting and murdering people coming out at exactly the same time. But then one of them ceased existing. Because their president tweeted out. Yeah, right. It was because of the president. But it was like, it was, you know... They should get down on their knees and thank Jesus Christ every day of their lives that that didn't happen. Because now this movie is like kind of popular, kind of a financial success. And I don't know that any of that would have happened if the other movie also came out. Uh, yeah, Jodie Foster was going to be in it as well, who is a great actress. In, in this movie? In uh, The Hunt. Oh, was she? Oh, I, I believe so, yeah. My favorite person from Glow is Sunita Mani. Which I, one is that? I don't know. I don't watch Glow, but I know she's on that show. You, know, you really don't watch Glow? It's a great show. I know. I like wrestling a lot. Our I friend, you ever meet my friend Vanessa? Um, she does all the uh, graphic design on that oh, show. Oh, cool. Actually, I found out Vanessa also was in the art department on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, wow. Which is like fucking really cool. Ooh. Hopefully she'll get more work for Magic <laughs> <laughs> She's doing fine. She's doing great. She won a Peabody Award. Because oh, dope. She used to work on the Schumer show, and they gave the whole cast oh, Peabody Awards. that's dope. So that's it for Ready or Not. Uh, the second movie we're going to talk about this week is 19. 19- 97, David Fincher directed, Michael Douglas starring, The Game. One day your game begins. You either love it or hate it. Are you going to spend the rest of the evening prying at that clown's mouth? Mr. Van Orton, is everything all right? Ah, Mr. Van Orton. Have we met? I believe so. Why are you following me? Find out about a company called Consumer Recreation Services. They won't stop, Nick. He's in on it. I paid the bill. I paid him more to make it stop. After Seven and before Fight Club, David Fincher gave us the game. Michael Douglas plays Nicholas Van Orton, a bored corporate executive who gets a mysterious gift from his brother, who's played by Sean Penn. The gift is a custom-built game designed for Nicholas's personality, but then he starts receiving mysterious notes and having his house broken into and... So much more weird things start happening to Nicholas. Things after things start spiraling, and to say even more would spoil the entire movie, which we are about to do yeah, as we talk course. about it's it. It's fucking twenty years old, uh, guys. I mean, come on. It's a very stylish, plotted out, twisty, and unpredictable film. Aka, it's a very David Fincher joint. Uh, the game does have some things to say about uh, loneliness, and its final twist is probably up there and ubiquitous ubiquitous with other final twists that you may not even know what even the final twist we're talking about is like oh that's the game um it is part of the over of david fincher and therefore very ripe to talk about as now he's given us several films over and decades of enjoyable cinema uh, did you watch the game recently, Chris? Uh, yes, Caleb. I uh, came home from watching Ready or Not last night. Oh, you did a back to back and turned on the game. You did yes, an actual exactly. back to back. I did an actual back to back. Yeah, it was great. I hadn't watched it in a long time. It's one of those movies. I think I saw this movie in the movie theater. I wow. would have been like fifteen or sixteen. And I think this is exactly the kind of thing I would have gone to see at that point. Sure. Maybe it was rated R, although I don't think it's so. A... There's no nudity or anything. I think it was R. Um, I don't know. I probably got it. Adult somehow. themes. Suicide. So maybe I was maybe I was seventeen when it came out, and um, then I and then I used to watch it on HBO like all the time. You know, it was on HBO constantly back in the day before streaming, and I would just watch anything that was on HBO. 
So I have seen it a lot, and but it was interesting to watch again. One of the things that really stuck out to me, well, so right, it's a David Fincher movie. It's very, very David Fincher-y. And it's interesting to read interviews with him from after the fact because he'll say things like, uh, yeah, you know, it was a good movie. Um, my wife told me I shouldn't make it because I didn't really have the plot worked out. And she's right. Like the third act doesn't really make any sense. <laughs> I just thought if you keep your pedal on the, if you keep your foot on the pedal and you just crazier and crazier things keep happening, then like the audience will have a good time because that's what I like in a movie. And so that's just all that he did. So it doesn't really make sense. Like the end of the movie. I mean, it kind it does make sense. It does make sense, yeah, you have but to, not really, you yeah, know, not, not really. really. You have to like give it up for movie magic at that point. Like, do zombies make sense? Right. Exactly. Do, does yeah, light exactly. speed travel make, make sense? sense right? <laughs> you just have to accept that like everything's crazier and crazier. Yeah. Um, one of the things I thought was kind of funny is that uh, in the years since this movie has come out, like, you know, live action role playing and like improv everywhere oh, sure. and uh, escape, escape rooms. rooms, escape rooms. Jinx have all become like a huge thing. So in a way, the movie did not seem that scary because it just, it honestly did seem like a fun game. You're like, oh, I got a weird key. You're like, oh, that's, yeah, that's cool. That's what would happen. And like, oh, there's black like graffiti in my house. And you're (laughs) like, yeah, that's like a cool thing that would happen. Yeah, that's like an escape room. Oh, there's like a mysterious message for me. It's like, it it seemed, it didn't seem scary. I was Mm -hmm. just like, oh yeah, I would enjoy this. You know? Um, I don't know if this movie could exist after the internet became so big. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Like he could have just, uh, Google things or Google like cross referenced images or like yeah. done most things differently. Because there's a thing, the whole thing is the um so the game he to to access the game he gets a card from his brother for this organization called Consumer uh RS. Recreation Services, CRS. And he goes to the CRS office and he's there all day. But then, you know, it's like, oh, they're gone, they never existed, and like CRS doesn't exist anymore. Um, so yeah, right. He could have just Googled CRS or found articles about it or something, you know? Uh, like, yeah. The better business bureau review. Yeah. I'm sure there would be like, like a, like a Boston CR- reader, yeah. like a Chicago reader article about it. Is CRS it. a scam? Yeah. Right. Is CRS. I was actually just doing that today with some sneakers that I got an ad for on Facebook. It turns out they were a scam. Yes. Damn. Um, another cool thing about this movie was it made me remember that one of the biggest genres of 1990s movies especially 1990s movies for adults was the paranoia thriller like yeah. there were so many movies where it was like oh everything's happening like who can you trust like that was such a major part of 1990s cinema sure. and we had uh you know you have like the net the pelican brief uh the firm to a certain extent enemy of the state the x-files enemy of the state conspiracy theory and even conspiracy if, theory didn't even lay it bare. I know, title. it's just called conspiracy theory. <laughs> um, and this movie, right? Uh, it, it made me think about, like, why was that such a genre in the 1990s? You know, and the X-Files, right? The X-Files was sure. like, the biggest thing on television. Yeah. And it was all about conspiracies. I mean, I was thinking about it a little bit. It's, I don't know, you know, it must be something to do with, like, the... Uh, the early internet coming online and accessing like a huge amount of information. Yeah. That information uh, that was about to be dumped on us and and having this feeling that like, yeah, we could access the true story of the world and also that we were entering into some kind of system where we'd be controlled by, you know, like ones and zeros control your whole life, man. Damn. And uh, it turned out all of that stuff happened and it Mm -hmm. was actually pretty boring. It Uh, it is interesting to know that like all those, Films similar came out, uh, which makes it kind of cool that David Fincher got to do one. And he does still travel a bit in that same yeah. uh, thing, but he still gets to, I don't know, uh, I'm thinking of Gone Girl specifically, which is a little bit more uh, novelistic and pulpy. Right. Well, I mean, it's based on uh, pulp novels. But this is very so. much that 90s taste to it. Even 
I don't know if he's the big one of the bigger stars of the '90s, but he's a star of the '90s. He was a star in the '80s. Michael Douglas. Michael yeah, Douglas, he was like who, a hugely yeah. bankable star, big in the bank 1990s. guy, and he's yeah. oddly great in this movie. He's like super compelling. Uh, he offers the right amount of emotion throughout the whole film, uh, like because he's just a very cold kind of prick. Yeah, dude. he spends like eight, 70% of the movie just seeming annoyed. Yeah. Like, it's like everybody's like fucking ruining his day. Like yeah. He just wants to go have some wine. Doesn't care about his brother. Uh, doesn't yeah. care about his housemaid who's kind of nice to him. <laughs> yeah, right. He doesn't care about like the waitresses. He doesn't. He just wants to like live his fucking life and do his fucking thing. And that's great casting. I thought like Gordon Gecko would be perfect for this. Yeah, he's uh, great. He's great. If you want to remind yourself how great michael douglas says not don't watch the kaminsky method is that his show <laughs> uh yeah yeah i haven't watched that i heard it's good i've heard it exists on netflix um well uh speaking of the cast of this movie i was redoing some reading there was a great article on i think it was on like moviephone.com weirdly <laughs> enough um which i didn't it's a great I, movie phone yeah to be honest i did not even know they had editorial but they do the phone has a website yeah, it is from moviephone.com. Uh, it had a lot of really interesting stuff about this movie, including that originally the character that's the Sean Penn character, his little brother. Oh, I know. I heard about this. Yeah, it was supposed to be his daughter, and it was supposed to be played by Jodie Foster. Who we keep bringing up today. <laughs> I know. It's funny, right? So it's funny also because Jodie Foster was 18 years younger than Michael Douglas, uh, but Michael Douglas didn't think that she seemed young enough to be his daughter. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Even yeah, though he yeah. had, in fact, already played her father in another movie when she, when, when she was, like, nine years old. That's funny when she was a great kid actor, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But he was like, nobody will believe she's my daughter. Um, so they fired her from the movie. Oh, man. And then they hired Sean Penn to be his little brother. But it's actually, it's the difference is only one year less. <laughs> Sean Penn is 17 years younger than him, but they make him his little brother. He has that weird kinetic Sean Penn when he's a little bit, uh, more movement in a film. Think of uh, Spicoli. <laughs> yeah, it is funny because it makes you remember that Sean Penn is a really good actor. He seems he seems likable yeah. at some points in this movie, which you know he's not likable as a person, <laughs> but you're like, oh yeah, he's cool. Oh, he can play likable. It is funny too, knowing that the character was originally his daughter, because if you think about the movie through that lens, you're like, yeah, he is awfully fucking fond of his little brother. <laughs> like he, he spends a lot of time like worrying if his little brother is okay and like <laughs> hugging his little brother and then like indulging he's being like what do you need from me this time that's all very like parent and child it's yeah. really not how you treat your little brother i think it's like there was a falling out i think it's, there's some protection because there's a plot one of the plot points is it's his 48th birthday which is when his father committed suicide at age 48 too right so there might be like some of that creeping into his head of being protective of it because he also they established that he was kind of cut off from his brother too a little bit uh he even has an ex-wife who's in this movie but it all goes feeds into uh, just the a portrayal of loneliness that uh, wouldn't have happened if David Fincher wasn't such a good director. <laughs> uh, like, there's just some colors in this movie, or just the way uh, there's a scene when he first gets the card. <laughs> Chris just killed a bug. Oh my god, I fucking got it. It was a mosquito. Boop, boop, boop. Mosquitoes are fucking bad news, dude. Um, there's a scene when he first gets the card uh, with Sean Penn talking to Michael Douglas. Conrad talking to Nicholas, uh, where we keep zooming in on Conrad and like it kind of you get lost in his background as, as you keep zooming in on his face and you're getting intimate and close with him. And he's like telling his brother he needs this gift and how cool it is. Uh, and then you cut to every cut to Michael Douglas. It's very far removed. Like it's you can see the whole white. It's a wide shot. You can see the whole restaurant behind him. It just oh, he does really good. all these that's really, really removed things. And that's a, a very big signature I, I i always pay attention to in fincher movies is the way he shoots dialogue uh like there's like standard stuff like someone standing up someone sitting down 
uh, cut to someone looking at someone to just to display power of like who's controlling the scene. Uh, he's such a good director of dialogue. It's you forget he you forget how good of a director of dialogue he is because he has all these great showy set pieces mm. uh, usually in his movies. And um, I mean, he has a way of making dialogue seem like the most fascinating adventure yeah. you've ever been on. Like watching someone talk to you is like twisty and turny yeah. and, you know, dangerous and exciting. Uh, my favorite movie of his is Zodiac, which uh, is a movie that shouldn't work if you write down. Like most other directors would falter with that movie. But again, yeah, it's I all. I mean, it has its problems, but yeah. it's like really, really good. Well, I mean, that's like I was talking about Mindhunter. I mean, Mindhunter is Zodiac, the TV show. Yeah, I should Ex- see Mindhunter, I guess. You know, and it's funny. We're talking about him filming dialogue. I mean, especially, especially the first season. The second season is a little different. But in the first season of Mindhunter, they are just going and interviewing serial killers. So it's just these two FBI agents speaking to us to a serial killer about how they murdered people and it's all about the you know this interaction this game of cat and mouse between the agents and the serial killer trying to draw each other out and get get what they need from each other and there's this you know undercurrent of danger because they're fucking multiple murderers you know <laughs> um, but it's like you know who has the power in the scene exactly like what you were talking about it's it, you know nobody could do it but David Venture and he's it's amazing to watch I mean that's what's magnetic about it yeah. you know there's a line that michael douglas delivers impeccably that i like in this movie it's when he's first gets goes to crs uh uh he's skeptical of the whole thing and it's um what is this what are you selling like his, i can't do the pause he does but you can, it, it informs that character so much like oh he he's a businessman he thinks they're out You're to like, get him he's yeah, very paranoid advantage of he's, me. Tr- he's like trying like they're already trying to yeah get at him uh yeah uh, yeah, it's really good. I mean, you were talking about the shots a minute ago. Um, one of the shots that I noticed, it's like very obvious, but I was very proud of myself for catching it. So the the kind of the what uh, the Sean Penn character says to Michael Douglas is like, oh, you're, you need to shake your life up like you're stuck in a rut, you know. Um, but so the very first shot of the movie is Michael Douglas's car driving down a hill in San Francisco and he's driving exactly over the train tracks, the trolley tracks on the road. So it's like, yeah, he's, his life's on track. Like everything's perfect. (laughs) You know, everything's like stuck exactly where he wants it to be. It also goes into, um, as this movie, uh, as he plays the game and everything unfolds that he's being led to it also shows like he's always been on this track a little bit too yeah he's always yeah, being yeah. well I guess yeah, we didn't talk about the end of this one but go ahead oh i was gonna say he they give him these elaborate psychological tests and they give him these like kind of rorschach tests that we see and then every all of his reaction all of the things are things that happen to him like in order to draw out these kind of yeah. reactions that he has um which is interesting you know it's a very tightly packed you know kind of a like memento kind of a thing sure. you know where everything that's put down is picked up again even if it's doesn't make any fucking sense. I will say until the third act, when the third act just starts, like people start shooting at him with machine guns. Oh yeah. And then there's like everybody, he's getting drugged. Like, he gets drugged like three times. Uh, he gets drugged and fucking taken to Mexico. He wakes up in a Mexican graveyard. graveyard and we're supposed, and he fucking hitchhikes back to yeah. San Francisco, which is a long way. <laughs> That's like 10 hours. I don't know. At least. Yeah. that I guess is all to build up. Like you think he's going after this revenge and as he's getting his revenge, cause he has a gun, uh, they tell him, no, 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 it's just a game. It's just a game. It's all part of the game. He's like, I don't believe you. And then he shoots the door, even though he tells him, like, no, don't. Yeah, don't shoot. Yeah. This is a part, like, this is your, for your party. This is all part of the game. He shoots the door, and then he ends up shooting his brother. And it's it's like, like a great oh, shot. He's holding a yeah, champagne, champagne bottle, and the bullet goes through the champagne bottle, and then he's got a giant. Mm-hmm. He's wearing a white tuxedo, and there's, like, a huge blood stain on it. Mm-hmm. And then 
he shots his brother, he gets depressed, and kills himself. And that's the fun twist of the movie, is that David Fincher, you think, kills his uh, protagonist right after Seven with a head in the box. Now he's killing the main character. A very David Fincher ending, but... Nope. Turns out it was all part of the plan. Giant mattress. <laughs> Like uh, they knew exactly where yeah. he was gonna land. They knew exactly when he was gonna. Yeah, they be even there. had like on the uh, party invitation, like between like eight seventeen and eight thirty three. Yeah, or something. exactly. <laughs> like, and this is immediately after he hitchhiked back from Mexico. Yes. <laughs> like they knew exactly how long it was gonna take. Like, him. oh, he didn't have to take a, like an extra thirty minutes for shitting or something. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, what if he fucking because they put him in some kind of a dirty white suit? Yeah. Like, I don't know. What if he changes clothes at some point or you know? It's like they knew him. They knew him perfectly they knew him perfectly it is a cool twist i remember uh i saw the simpsons episode before i saw the, the, this the this movie it's pretty funny i mean it's so fucking ridiculous it's like out of fucking control um the ending of this movie <laughs> yeah like there could not no one could possibly predict someone's behavior yeah this, this is like this is like isaac asimov like futurology levels of like we can d- deeply understand your behavior like it would be be that CRS planted so many people so deep and had so many contingency plans in place uh, that they could just plan and shift and pivot to anything that happened. Well, and there is that they do say in the ending after he's landed on the air mattress, one of the guys, the CRS guys is like, Oh, I'm so glad you jumped. If you didn't jump, I was supposed to throw you off. Ha, 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 ha. Another thing about that, so in this ending sequence, he's running through the CRS building, and it's like all of the secrets are being revealed. And there's a great moment where he walks into a cafeteria, and it's like every single person who's been in the movie is in the cafeteria at once. Like every background actor, everyone who has a line, they like everyone was in on it, and they're all together in the cafeteria. It's very fun, yeah. It's like very funny and good. And when they're all like wearing the outfits he saw them in, even if it was like days and days ago, you know, <laughs> it's like, it's like perfect. And it is very like, whoa, <laughs> I mean, uh, we were talking about the net before actually, um, or one of that being the, one of the many paranoia movies of the nineties, supposedly one of the versions of this script became the net. It was like, you know, you can see how they're kind of related because they're like some big organization is trying to destroy my life through computers, which is, you know, a small part of this movie, but you could imagine it being a bigger part because he gets all of his money stolen at some point. But yeah, that was just interesting. And that like it, it, this movie is actually two of the big like paranoia movies of the (laughs) nineties. Yeah. It's a very solid David Fincher movie. Uh, I love David Fincher, so uh, I don't know. I could wrap it, get, get into my I think. I think oh, I'll just say uh, Spike Jones is one of the paramedics oh, at yeah. the end of the movie. Which I is saw funny. that when so, I was looking into this, reading about this movie. I was like, oh, wait, I need to re- watch it even again. And can, now, I tell you, just... I, can I tell you, I recognized him on site. Nice. He's on screen for like literally two seconds, and I was like, is that Spike Jones? He's an underrated actor. He's a very good actor. He was fine. I mean, he was fine on the site. I didn't think he was very wrong. good. He, yeah. wasn't, he just goes like, are you okay? But it's nice to see a little <laughs> bit of like... Uh, Music, dir- music director love music video director love oh, sure. from one to the other uh yeah i uh, like when spike spike jones spike. popped up in uh wolf of wall street i like him a lot in uh that three kings movie he's the fourth oh King. yeah 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 he's good in that. uh that david cross show uh the increasingly poor decisions of todd margaret he's really good in oh i, I didn't know he was in that yeah i watched all the episodes of that i think he's in like the second season oh cool yeah he's a good actor <laughs> yeah, and so- a great director Caleb, would you like to tell me which of these movies? Uh, so, to put a finer point on it, choice. as you're saying, like uh, "Ready or Not" is a very popcorn-friendly, easy to down movie. I didn't find it fun. I find the game fun. That's my type of fun. I mean, it doesn't probably read as fun to the casual person, but I think this is like uh, it's 
a director getting to like do some filmmaking, try out some uh, cool shots. Just throw everything at the wall. Just like literally everything you could possibly want to yeah, try. He, right? uh, and it is kind of a very casual, like the plot wise, it's nothing like besides the final twist. It's kind of just like. It's kind of gentle, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Really, it's like kind nothing, of gentle. Uh, yeah. I, like I could, it's like a movie I would turn on. Like, oh yeah, I said you watch it. I could just turn this on. Like, oh yeah, cool. I could flip. It's a very, that this movie is more my tempo. It's not like the greatest movie ever. It's a very good movie though. Uh, and therefore it is the actual best choice. Yeah. So I'm going to kind game. of give, break the rules and give like a split decision and say that uh, I think Ready or Not is a, a fun movie. If you're in a situation where you encounter it in the near future, I would recommend you checking it out like i was saying before if you're on a plane if you see it on hbo if there's literally nothing playing near you and you would <laughs> feel like going to the movies i would recommend going to see ready or not it's want, fun it's fun and funny if your choices are nothing or going to the movies <laughs> if you, but go you know see what I mean? ready when or not like when you just want to like go to the movies but you don't really exactly care what you're gonna see uh no i don't do ever you've do never done that uh, not, no. You don't just say, like, I feel like going to the movies tonight. Like, let's see what's playing. Like, everyone in the fucking world does all the time. No, I, uh, the internet, thankfully, exists tonight. You're like, oh, cool. And we live in New York City, so I could, like, oh, cool. I have so many choices. I usually, if it I ever do feel like that, I usually is, go to BAM or IFC. This is wild to me. You're saying you have never just said, like, oh, let's go to the movies. Let's check what's playing. I, I always check the internet before. Oh, my God. And do some research. I don't want to. Well, yeah, I mean, you check the internet, but I mean, you check the internet to see what's playing. Yeah. And then you decide which of those movies to go see. Yeah. I never see, uh, like, I always, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you're quite, yeah. I don't know. All right, whatever. I seem to have completely flummoxed you somehow with this question. What was your initial question? Like, just like I said, you know, you just, you don't just feel, it's not that you have a specific movie you want to see. You just say, like, I feel like going to the movies. And so you check what's playing and then you pick one of them to go see. Uh, I guess I'd do that, but with. All the choices in New York, I would never end up picking a movie like Ready or Not. <laughs> all, right, all right, fine. So what I would say is in if you are a normal person like me and you have done that kind of stuff, then I think it's great to check out and you should definitely check it out. But if we're if we're in some kind of platonic heaven and we're saying which of these movies is the actually best choice, which is the premise of the show, then like, yeah, of course, the game is the better movie, like by a lot. It's streaming on Showtime right now. It's, you know, free if you have Showtime. So like... <laughs> or just get Showtime. You could watch... Just get Showtime. Uh, it's great. Yeah. Watch Being Becoming a God, a God in Central, Central Florida yeah, in Central with Josh Florida. Fadum. With Kirsten Dunst. Yeah, exactly. And other actors. Um, yeah, it's on Showtime. Check it out. Uh, just do the search. I, I was looking in the like thrillers section, and we were, and it thrillers was not section. in the thrillers section. Was it in drama? I don't know. I just gave up and did the search afterwards. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's the deal with the show for this week, everybody. Um, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank You're you. all beautiful thank and you. Uh, intelligent, and I can't wait to see you again. Uh, it's absolutely fantastic. You're taller than you think, and funny. Mm, okay. Goodbye, Bye, everybody. Bye. Instead of listening, uh, Dale, who's a great character, just said, Be bye bo, bicky bay, bicky bo, bye, be bye bay, bicky bo, be bye bye bo, bicky bo, bye bye 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 b